and um, when they moved to Bracknell and they have an academy and every week they're teaching people in the academy and uh, every year I've been teaching on things in the academy and I, God challenged me as I was preparing, I did three sessions this week on Wednesday, God said why don't you teach this to the church? I thought, you're right God, why don't I? And it wasn't, I mean, it's not exactly what I shared on on Wednesday at all, because that was uh, three and a half hours of teaching. So we're not going to, you're not going to get three and a half hours of teaching now. But I just felt that God challenged me to say, actually, Dave, you need to be who you are away from church, in church too. You know, one of the things I'm very comfortable with away from RCF is prophesying. God pokes me, he prompts me, and I share what he asked me to share. But you know what? I've realised that I don't do it at home, here at RCF. And I guess some of that's in the natural, some of that's in the natural, that I know most of you quite well. So God drops a thought in my mind and I immediately wrestle, and I don't know whether anybody else recognises this, but I immediately wrestle, is this something I know or is this something God is showing me? So that's why I'm, sh- why I'm sharing today what I'm sharing today is because of all of that. And I've got to really share just with the thought of how we can be a prophetic people. How we can be a prophetic people. So let me pray. Lord, as we as we come around your word now, Father, I pray that, Lord, you'd stir us up to step out in boldness, to step out, Lord, in faith, and be to, to be your men, women, young and old, who are called by your glory to do what you've called us to do, at work, at home, with families, with strangers, in the street, Lord God. But let faith rise up. Let faith be stirred, I pray, today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, some of these scriptures you know quite well, but let's start with some basics here. In Ephesians 4, um, chapter 4, verse 7 to 12, to each of us grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended in high and led captivity captive and gave gifts to men, Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So God gives... Gift ministry, gift men and women, gift men and women to serve the body, to equip us to be who God's called us to be, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And these are people. When, when Ephesians 4 talks here about these, these are people. Think of someone like Phil Cain. I mean, all of us know Phil Cain. He's been coming to us for many years. Now, he functions as a prophet. That's who he is. Now, that's part of who he is to the body of Christ. And he speaks forth the word of God. And he speaks it forth in a timely manner to bless and to encourage and to exhort. And I share this first because I want to talk about prophecy. But I want to talk about prophecy as in the sense of the body prophesying. Not putting it on the shelf and thinking a Phil Kaner or Keith Hazel or someone else like that. Because actually, as I unpack this, we'll understand that God calls us all to prophesy. All those filled with the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10 says this, and we know this well. Um, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. 
to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he will. So the Holy Spirit comes and brings gifts to his people. This is not the prophecy is not the same as a prophet. Prophet is a person. These are the gifts that are released through the Holy Spirit. And it's for the benefit of all. And so therefore we see the prophet and prophecy. Now, I, want, I don't know whether you've ever looked at it in this way. You may have heard this before. I think I've got it on a slide next. But if we group those different gifts together, we have words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of prophecy. They're known as the word gifts. We have words of um, gifts of faith of healing and of miracles. Thank you. My mind went completely blank. And these are known as the power gifts. And then we have tongues, interpretation and discerning of the spirits. These are known as the gifts of discernment, you know, speaking forth. Now, they're gifts that are available to anyone who's filled with the spirit. Do you know, one of the things that, as a very early Christian, when I first got filled with the spirit, I didn't speak in tongues first, I prophesied first. That's just the way God happened to prompt me, to provoke me. But you know, there are gifts there available for all. They're available for all. In 1 Corinthians 14.1 it says this, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that we may prophesy. So it's, it's not wrong to desire to prophesy. You know, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that we should prophesy. Well, what is this, this prophetic element? Well, let, let's look at the fallibility first, first things here. In 1 Corinthians 13, in the midst of everything that I've just read here, that, that scripture that's known as the, the greatest gift, the gift of love, it mentions prophecy. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11 and 12, it says this, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now we know in part, but then I will just know as I am fully known. And one of the things that I know about speaking on behalf of God and being open to the gifts of the Spirit is that actually I can taint what happens in me and through me. If I arrive at church having had a really steaming argument with Julia, and I arrive angry inside. I might, you might outside to see me smiling and say, hi, how are you? But inside I am angry. And if God wants to then use me to pray for someone, my prayer gets tainted by my anger if I'm not careful. And the same with the prophetic. If, you, if you, God gives you a simple word to encourage someone, it can get tainted by that, which, which is inside you. So it's good to be open to God. So, there are times when I've had to reach out to the leadership and just say, guys, I'm not in a good place this morning. Pray for me before I share the word. You know, just imagine you're driving here and someone pulls out in front of you and, you know, just because of some things that have happened, bang! I'm sure it's never happened to anybody here. but Suddenly we arrive and we're not in a good place. I see one or two options. One option is to say, look, I won't speak today. Somebody else can do that. And sometimes that is God's purpose. Sometimes that does happen. 
But other times we need to press through and we need to bring people around us and say, I'm not in a good place, pray. God deals with the issue. I repent. Sorry for my anger, God. And actually God uses that weakness and that fragility because when I'm weak, he makes me strong. But you know, there's something also in here that says, I want to be accountable with operating the gifts that God brings. And I want to encourage us to be accountable too. I want to be teachable. So do you know, whenever I prophesy, I've always said to the people, wherever I am, I said this on Wednesday at Kerith, I said to the people there, I said, whatever I share today is accountable to the local leadership. And if I get it slightly wrong, I'm accountable. I'm willing to be taught. Do you know, there was a church that I spoke in in London not that long ago. And um, a guy got up in the service and said, thus says the Lord. And then he went on to give this prophetic word. And he came up to me afterwards and said, Dave, what do you think? What, was I on, on, on message? And I said to him, do you know what? I said, I didn't have anything wrong with you said apart from the first three words, three or four words. Thus says the Lord. I said, because that becomes unchallengeable. That becomes something that can't be tested. I said, I'd far rather you say, I think the Lord is saying. I sense the Lord is saying. I feel the Lord is saying. Just because it shows that maybe we don't get it quite right. Let me give you a story that exactly illustrates this. I was at a prayer meeting in Lightwater a number of years ago. And there was a lady called Sue, who I've known for many years, who was there. And as I was praying, we were open prayer. My eyes were open. I looked at her and I felt God almost put a finger over her head and say, go and pray for her. And tell her now is not the time for flight. Now, in my head, listen to those words I just said, now is not the time for flight. In my head, I assumed that was now was not the time to run away. That's what I heard. That's what I was thinking. So I go across to Sue and I'm praying for her. And as I'm praying, I prayed, blessing upon her, and I prayed for her. And I said, so I just sensed the father saying, now is not the time for flight. And she burst into tears. Oh, oh. And she, she actually en ended up kneeling on the floor. And we prayed some more and um, prayed, and it felt right to move on, so I did. And I didn't really get to talk to her again until months later when she came up to me at a different meeting and said, Dave, I need to chat with you. I said, Okay, so and afterwards we got time to chat and she said, that, that, that prophetic word that you brought in that meeting in Lightwater, you need to know how significant it was. I said, okay, what was going on? She said, well, I've got a son and he lives in America. He's, he and his wife had just had a baby. And they'd had a baby and the baby was about three months old. And uh, at that time you came to me and you said, now is not the time for flight. Or for, for, she heard a flight or to fly. And she said, I was planning to go and see my son and my daughter-in-law out in America. And based upon that word, I didn't book the ticket. I didn't go. She said, I rang my daughter a few days later and said, I'm not coming, I'm going to come later. And she said, Mum, I think that's very wise. I'm sorry, she spoke to her son. I spoke to her son and her son said, Mum, I think that's very wise. She said, why? He said, well, we're not agreeing as mum and dad how we bring up the child when the child cries. And if you come from different families and different cultures, some families would say you pick the baby up every time and others would say you leave them for a while. And this couple were going through the tension of those moments. And mum didn't go and she booked a ticket and she went later and this, she'd already been and she'd gone and she'd come back and she said, Dave, thank you so much for sharing that word. Now is not the time to fly. And I said to her, do you know what? I remember sharing that. And that was not what was in my head. 
So I, I just want to share that I'm teachable, that you know, God can use whatever he wants to use, and he can use it how he wants to use it. And so when, when I read from 1 Corinthians 13, we prophesy in part. You know, there was a bit from me, but there was a bit that God did that I didn't even understand in that element. And what was really interesting, Sue went on to say, she said, Dave, do you know this? She said, because I love my son very dearly, I would have sided with my son. And it would have been me and my son versus my daughter-in-law. And she said, that would not have been good. She said, they resolved it amongst themselves. The baby settled down. The baby's fine. Um, and everything's going great. She said, but if I'd have gone then, right at that time, it would not have been good. So thank you. And I'm sharing that because I want to be teachable too. And so I said, I would rather you said, I feel, I sense, I know, I think. Because it, it brings an element of, I am bringing what God has spoken to me. And I sense the Father saying, because it becomes teachable. It becomes something that you can then explore. Because sometimes God gives you a picture. I've been given pictures before now, and now I'm describing the picture. And as I describe the picture, I might see the different picture different to somebody else. I might describe it in a different way. But the picture could still be 100% from God. Because my perspective is not your perspective. And is not God's perspective. So eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Be teachable. In 1 Corinthians 14, 31, it says this. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. All may learn and all may be encouraged. So actually, when there's a prophetic word, whether whoever it's bought for, we can all be encouraged. We can all learn. You know, one of the things I find fascinating about prophecy is that actually someone can get prophesied over and actually there's a splashback effect. I remember people like Clem coming through and calling people out or someone like Phil coming through and prophesying over people. And there's this effectively a great big splash as a prophetic bomb. I mean in a positive way. A prophetic download is put into someone's life and people suddenly realise that we're part of working that prophetic word out with those people. So that all can learn and all can be encouraged. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. What is prophecy? But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. And here's a great test. If anybody has a prophetic word for you, there are some great tests. Number one is the prophetic word needs to line up with God's word. I was teaching in a, in a school of prophecy in, in a church in London. And this kind of this particular church had a culture of their prophets wore badges. And so there was a whole number of people in the room who had a badge on saying prophet. And uh, one of them, I did a Q&A at the end of teaching, and one of them said to me, I had a prophetic word given to me a number of years ago, and the prophetic word was this, thus says the Lord, the wife that you have is not the wife that you should have. God has a better one for you. He said, what do you think, Pastor Dave? And I went, well, for me, it doesn't line up with God's word. It doesn't line up with God's word. So consequently, I would say, thank you, thanks, but no thanks. Because scripture talks about false prophets. And we do need to test the prophetic word. 
And so I said to him, do you know what? I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't receive that. Because God has given us our husbands and wives. And he's given us them to relate to, to build to, to grow with. So he doesn't have a plan B. He doesn't have a, a second best. And now you're moving on to the best one. And so I also said to that same group exactly what I just said to you about teachability. I'd rather that you said, this is what I think the Lord is saying, because there's a place of teachability. There's a place where we can start to understand what God has been saying. So here in 1 Corinthians 14, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation and comfort. Edification to lift someone up. Exhortation to encourage somebody and to comfort. And there's another good test of the prophetic word. Is does this word exhort you? Does it exhort you? Does it comfort you in some way? Thus says the Lord, you've been a very naughty boy. And God doesn't like it. And God's going to bring down, now that's Old Testament prophecy. God bringing down lightning from heaven and striking you. That's what the Old Testament prophets used to do. Thus says the Lord, and they'd speak. But you know, today, New Testament, since Christ has come to encourage, and, you know, it doesn't mean he can't say difficult things. God does say difficult things to his children, but he does it in a loving and encouraging and exhorting way. So is the word encouraging? Does it exhort? Does it encourage? So all that all would prophesy, there's a gift available to all. And there are three gifts that come together there often. The gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, the gift of prophecy. And often I've seen these flow together. I remember Clem speaking over someone here who was visiting when Clem, I think they'd come in as an invitation through somebody else, and he was speaking, he called to, and he prophesied over a young lady, and he said some things about her. Now, most of the rest of the people in the room, most of us, did not know her, and she did not know most of us. She certainly didn't know Clem, and the first thing Clem said, was, and he described something of who she was. I know you. It was a word of knowledge, something about the way she was made up, some of the, some of the stuff she was going through moved into a word of wisdom how she might tackle what she was going through, and then started to speak about where she was going, the prophetic element, that is this foretelling and forthtelling of tomorrow. So eagerly desire to prophesy, eagerly desire to speak into others' lives. Now, I don't know whether you've got a prophetic word that you haven't yet seen fulfilled, but when God speaks, he is faithful. Do you know, I have some unfulfilled prophetic words. We as a church have some unfulfilled prophetic words. Sometimes those words come with an if and a but and a maybe. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, then I will hear. So there's an if in there, but when it doesn't come with an if, then I just sense that God wants to fulfill his word and he wants to see that completed. So God talked about us as, to us as a church many years ago about a sheep shed. And I don't think we've yet seen that sheep shed. I think we're still, as Darren prayed earlier on, we're on that journey to the sheep shed. And let me just be clear, because I realise that sometimes things get lost in translation. I was talking to Letty uh, a number of years ago. And she said, Dave, what is a ship shed? Because she'd heard in our English accent the word ship, not sheep. So she said, what is a ship shed? And I said, it's, I don't think we're talking about a ship shed, a shed to keep a ship in. Oh, that would be interesting in the middle of Surrey, wouldn't it? 
But then, you know, Noah was called to build an ark in the middle of nowhere and the rain came down. So if God said build a ship shed, I'd be up for it. But I believe it was a sheep shed. A sheep shed where, uh, I don't know whether you remember a few weeks ago, I spoke about the different gates of the city. And the sheep would be checked and tested. And when we read uh, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and his rod and his staff, they comfort me. I don't know whether you've ever thought about that psalm. But that psalm talks about the rod and the staff, the rod of authority and the staff, uh, the shepherd's crook. And, you know, so that place where actually there are times when you need to stop sheep and you put your stick out and you stop them. And there are times when you want to grab hold of a sheep and you use the hook of the shepherd's crook. And, you, you know, if you want to dip the sheep, you get hold of it around the sheep's neck and you use that. And so it's both something of health, but also of authority. And so I just sense that God continues to want to kind of lead us to a place where he wants to prophesy to us and through us. And so there is this unfulfilled prophetic word about the sheep shed, and we're still on the journey, and we're still believing and trusting God. A good friend of mine who's now in Japan, his name is uh, Ron and Julie. Ron and Julie. They, they used to lead a church in Lewiston, Idaho. I've travelled there a number of times. And in Lewiston, Idaho, for some strange reason, they had a language school that encouraged Japanese students to come. And one of the things that they as a church started to do was they encouraged the members of their church to open up their spare rooms to encourage Japanese students to come and stay with them, to experience something of the American culture. And that was the initial thing. But then part of the American culture, if you're a Christian home, is to go to church. So these Japanese students started to come, come to church because they were staying in the house with their, with their hosts. And suddenly they had a whole entourage of Japanese students who didn't know anything about Christianity at all, but were in church. And over the years, they saw more and more Japanese students coming to their church. And then they came to faith and they went back to Japan and struggled to find a, a church like that back, back in Japan. And Ron had a prophetic word. Ron and Judy, who'd led the church, had a prophetic word that they would go and plant a church in Japan. Had a prophetic word. They had a second prophetic word about nine or 12 months later that they'd be involved in helping to plant a church in Japan. They said, they we're all okay with all of this. They could see how there were Japanese students. They could see how maybe some of their church would go back to Japan. And then the third prophetic word came and it was, you're going to go and plant the church in Japan. Now they were leading a church of two, three, four, five hundred, four, five, at that point, four or five hundred people in the middle of Lewiston. And God goes, you're going to go and plant the church. And they, they responded to that. It took a little time, but they responded. to it. They, they went and learned Japanese. That's the first thing they did, was they went and they learned Japanese. Second thing they did was they talked it through with their leadership and said, we think we, that's, that we should be doing this. So you heard those prophetic words before. But this isn't just about us as a church sending someone. We believe we should be going. And right now, Ron and Julie are living and, and, and in Japan. And... It's a different strategy because one of the things is apparently the Japanese love Western weddings. So Ron gets paid by the Japanese government to, to give Western weddings to Japanese people. And then all this spare time, he, he, he does church. But on Saturdays, he's very busy marrying people. And he, you know, they're fluent in Japanese. And I regularly get Facebook messages from them just talking about what God's doing in their lives. And they're still in Japan. We've been in Japan now a number of years. And they're, you know, they're not just seeing Japanese students who they used to know in America. They're now seeing on the ground Japanese people come to Christ. People who come to the wedding because they give a Western wedding and then he gives a bit of a sermon. He shares something. Just amazing. 
He gets paid by the government to do that. It's, it's crazy. But, you know, when God lines things up, when God says, things happen. So when you get a prophetic word, what on earth do you do with it? 1 Timothy 1.18 says this. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. Church, I want to encourage us, wage a good warfare with the prophetic words. If you have an unfulfilled prophetic word, do something with it. Hopefully it's written down somewhere. Hopefully it's uh, um, captured somewhere. If, you, if it's recorded, one of the best things I would encourage people to do is to write it down. You know, have it, you know, having it written, just, just sitting down and listening to something that God has said and writing it out, leaves something as a deposit in your heart. And then you can share it with a few other people, people you trust, and say, please pray, this prophetic word gets fulfilled. And this is where I want to be teachable too. Because I've had prophetic words, and I've got A and I've got B, but C I'm really not sure about. I don't understand how it fits in. I say, Lord, I know it's you, but I don't really understand. So please show me how to align myself with what you're saying. Align ourselves with God's prophetic word so that he can do what he needs to do. He can do it with who he wants to do it with. But wage a good warfare. What's that about? Does God need reminding what he said? No, not at all. God doesn't need to be reminded what he said. He remembers. But you know what? I think we need to remind ourselves. We need to remind ourselves. If God said something, we need to keep on reminding ourselves. Because we forget. I don't know what your memory is like. My memory is getting worse. The older I get, you know, my memory's not so good. I forget things. I try and write things down now, just to try and remember. And here's, here's a good way of being accountable. If I ever forget something, don't feel shy. Tell me. Because I want to be accountable to the church. You know, I've done it before in church. I've said, we'll do that at the end. We'll pray for someone. And then somebody's come up to me after and said, Dave, you said we were going to pray for so-and-so, and we didn't. I've forgotten. And I feel really embarrassed. You know, so if it happens, tell me. And maybe we can give permission to one another. If, if it happens to you, maybe you, you'll be comfortable with me saying, hey, because I think otherwise, think balls get dropped. Things get forgotten. Things don't happen. People get crushed sometimes. What, so not just about reminding ourselves. It's also about reminding others. If we've got other people standing with us in this prophetic word who are praying it through, then they need reminding. But you know, there's someone else who I think is very important, or not important at all, whichever way you want to put this. And that's, you know, as we remind ourselves, we big ourselves up because God has said, but we put the enemy in his place too. We put the enemy in his place too because he doesn't want us fulfilling the word that God has spoken into our lives. He doesn't want that to happen at all. So wage a good warfare with the prophetic word or the prophecies that have been spoken over you. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now, you've got to have faith to share a prophetic word. If you say something like, I think the Lord is saying, 
And now I want to share a couple of stories which are not my own. I know them to be true. One I was there for, the other one I heard through someone who I trust. But um, I, I share them as examples because they are examples of even prophets are willing to be teachable. And one of these stories about a gentleman called Graham Cook, who used to be part of a church down in Southampton. And uh, Graham was going to minister in a, in, a, in a traditional church in the Midlands, up near Birmingham. And um, he got to minister, he got to teach, they got to pray, prophesied over a few people. And then after the service was over, he was taken into a, an office and said, Graham, we need you to pray for this young lady. She's very oppressed. She's she manifests sometimes, she, she has some difficult things going on in her life. We, we just sense that God's going to give you the key to, to deal with this situation. We've not been able to deal with it as a church leadership. We don't know what to do. Please, Graham, can you share whatever wisdom God gives you? And Graham prayed his best prayers and said, you know what? I really don't have anything. He said, well, have we just sense that God's giving you something that's for us. Please pray again. So Graham closed his eyes and he prayed. And in, he tells, I heard him tell this story. He said, you know what, I, I started to hear this phrase, God hates mummies and daddies. Now, remember what I told you earlier on about, you know, if you're going to share a prophetic word, make sure it lines up with scripture. And of course, Graham immediately in his head is thinking, okay, God doesn't hate mummies and daddies. God does not hate mummies and daddies. It doesn't line up with scripture at all. So he said, no, no, I really, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. They prayed again. They said, we really sense that God's given you something. Whatever you have, even if it's embryonic, even if you think it's kind of only the beginning of the world, would you share it? He said, well, I, I make myself accountable to you as the local church leadership. I'm just going to share what I've got. But, you know, if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. He said, but you, you pushed me, so I'm going to share. He said, I just sense that the father says God hates mummies and daddies. And the girl was in the room as he shared this. And she burst forth. She cried. She manifested on the floor. They prayed for her. They ministered to her. Um, and they got to, to talk with her afterwards. They said, what, what, what on earth is going on? What, what's this all about? She said, I used to play a game with my father, who's not a Christian, called Mummies and Daddies, and you can guess what it was all about. I don't need to go into the graphic detail. She was abused as a child, and uh, this was a place of the beginning of her healing. She kept it all suppressed. She kept it all inside, but the prophetic word was the key that opened it all up. But there was a wrestling that needed to go on there. This wasn't a simple story. This wasn't just a, thus says the Lord. But, you know, Graham was teachable in the midst of this. And I share that because, you know, whether, whether it's someone like Graham, like, like Phil, or whether it's you and me, just sharing a simple word of encouragement. It's great to be teachable. It's great to share it in a humility and say, this is what I think the Lord is saying. But you just, as that shared... It can bring breakthrough. It can bring healing. It will bring exhortation, comfort, and edification. And the second story is Andy Hall. I don't know whether you remember Andy Hall. Andy came to Germany with me a number of years ago now. So I was invited to go and speak at a conference in Germany. This is a bit of an interesting conference because uh, I got to meet the guy who asked me to go and speak in Mexico. He and I were speaking in Mexico. And he said, Dave, would you come and speak to our network of churches in Germany? And I went, yeah, happy to. Um, to tell me a bit about the network. And he said, well, all the church leaders are Nigerians, maybe one Ghanaian, but all black Africans. So they're all married to German wives. And for some strange reason in the culture in Germany, they don't particularly like this. He said, so none of the church uh, 
Churches in the area are comfortable to build relationship with us. So we just developed our own network of African pastors married to German wives with children. And uh, they're very multicultural churches, very, very multicultural churches. So I got to speak to this network of churches, about 16, 17 churches. And I said to Nate at the time and Andy, do you want to come? Andy spoke a little German and we went. And I said to Andy, all I want you to do is just to come and to experience. So all I want you to do is to come and stand alongside. So at the conference, I'll speak. There'll be some time of prayer. If you just want to come and stand with me, we'll pray. And if you want to join in the prayer, that's fine. If you just want to agree with the prayer, say amen at the end. And then if you feel comfortable and you want to go and pray for someone else, feel free to do so. Friday night comes to a time of ministry. We're praying. And he comes and joins alongside my prayer prayer. And he prays a prayer. And he prayed. Pretty bold prayer, but he prayed a prayer. And Saturday night, we'd had some various other sessions on the Saturday afternoon, thinking, where's Andy? When we come to the ministry time, I look across the room and there's a group of people at the back of the room and Andy's there praying for somebody. I don't know what's going on. And there's a big shout and an hallelujah and a bit of excitement that goes on. And then the testimony comes forth and uh, this Russian guy comes forward and testifies. And Andy'd gone across to this guy and just said, I'd like to pray for you. He didn't know why he wanted to pray for me. He just said, I just want to pray for you. And the guy looked at him blankly. So somebody came across and Andy spoke a little English and got translated into German, got translated into Russian because this guy didn't speak any English. Uh, didn't, speak, uh, didn't speak a lot of uh, German either. So Andy said, I just want to pray for you. So he started praying for this guy and then asked, you know, why would God have asked Andy to pray for this guy? And the guy said, well, I've got some real problems. He said, I've, I've got some liver problems. Um, I'm really quite ill. I think he probably had some problems with alcohol. But anyway, and he, and he was in a lot of pain. He was in a lot of pain there and then in the meeting. And Andy prayed for him. And that's where the hallelujahs came from, because this guy's pain went. And you can imagine what that did for Andy. You can absolutely imagine what that did for Andy. Because yeah, God heard his prayer on that day. So he just thought he was going to come along and stand alongside and be an assistant. Yeah, God used him. And by the end of the weekend, he shared a couple, we were in a leaders meeting at the end of the whole conference. Um, we were meeting with the guys who'd organised the conference, about 10 of us in the room, kind of prayed, shared a couple of things. And he said, I've just got something to share. And he shared it in the hub way. He said, I, I just, this is, this is what I thought, this is what I heard. I just share it with you for what it's worth. And the guy said, Johnson said, Andy, thanks for sharing that. That's really significant. And then went on to say, actually, what Andy had just shared had already been shared once before a few months previously. And this was just a confirmation and affirmation of what, what was going on in Johnson's life. And it was just simple. Here's another thing. I'm, I'm now going to kind of give you some bits and bobs of stuff that uh, I just think it's important to share. Sometimes, uh, so last Sunday we called Ruth, for, Ruth shared about YWAM and then we kind of prayed for her and there were a few prophetic words. Sometimes if somebody else shares a prophetic word, you think, oh, okay, it's already been shared. So let's say I had a prophetic word for Ruth about what's going to happen next. And you also had something very similar. Don't just switch that off and think, okay, somebody else got there first. It's not a competition. This really isn't a competition. And actually, it's very important that when somebody says it, you confirm it. Because you are the confirmation. If you heard exactly the same words, if you had a similar picture, then share it. Maybe afterwards, but, but do it. Because do you know what? Actually, out of the mouths of the church, the prophetic can be confirmed. So wage a good warfare with the prophetic words spoken over you. And, you know, um, in proportion to our faith. Now, sometimes 
sometimes I get to the limits of my faith. And this isn't a prophetic story, but it's a relevant story to this morning. Um, now, I, I was brought up as a Christian, went to church, um, but actually didn't become a Christian until I went to university. And um, I, I would still describe myself as a man of science, but I'm also a man of faith. So sometimes when faith and science hit one another, when God says, okay, science, when, when science says this and God says something different, I go, okay. And I told you this story, but it seems relevant here, that I ended up being in Mexico in an unplanned event in a, in a very traditional Methodist church and was told not to prophesy, not to, not to pray for anybody, just to preach and to sit down. So I preached the best sermon I could on Joseph, and then I went across to the pastor in the church and I said to him, sir, I finished preaching, but if there's something you'd like me to pray for, please, I'd be happy to do it. And he went to the back of the church and he brought forth this young lady who uh, had a baby under a shawl. He said, Dave, would you pray for this young lady and for her baby? And I said, happy, happy to. Now, sometimes you regret what you say. I, I, actually, regret's not the right word. Sometimes you want to take back what you, you say. He then went on to say, okay, this lady's been a Christian five weeks. A baby was born three weeks ago and the baby has no eyes. Will you pray for this baby? I said, yes, I'm happy to pray. Now, do you know, I'd never prayed for anything like that before. I don't know whether you, 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 I've never had to pray for God to create something that did not exist. It's, it's very different to pray for something to go away. It's very, it's, for me, it seems easy to pray for something that you cannot see to go away. Stomachache, backache. Heart problems. You can't see them. You know, but when there's a child with their eyes and I'm praying, I think, God, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know how to pray. I really didn't know how to pray. And I prayed. And to this day, I do not know that God has done anything in that child's life in the sense of resolving the eye situation. But the pastor then turned to the congregation and said, if anybody else would like prayer, we're going to pray now. And he and I were there with Claudia, who is my translator. We prayed for nearly two hours for nearly three quarters of the congregation. And I said to him afterwards, I said, I was told that you know, that kind of thing didn't go on in your church. He said, I came, when you came across and you submitted yourself and asked, you know, could I pray? I brought you the one thing I didn't even know how to pray about. And I said, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know how to pray about it either. But I did what I could because I was asked to do it. And he said, and when I saw you pray, I wanted to pray with the church. And he and I, it wasn't just me. I don't want any glory here. It was God's glory. People were touched. People were healed. God did some amazing things. Prophesy, pray according to your faith. And when, when you don't have enough, ask for more faith. Because faith is a gift too. And finally, 1 Thessalonians 5. I'm not going to read uh, all the reading from verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now that the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So there's my challenge to us as church. 
Now, this isn't just something that happens in church. Really, hear me. I, I don't sense that we get to a special moment and the, the, the temperature gets to a certain level or the volume of worship gets to a certain level. Actually, God can speak to us and through us at any time, in any place. And we just need to be faithful. Amen. Let me pray. Let me pray. Father God, we come to you as your children. And you have good gifts for us. And Lord, we've spoken about the gifts of the Spirit today. And when you fill us up, you did not leave us. You did not forsake us. You said to your disciples, when Christ returned to his Father, he was not going to leave us alone. You empower us by the Holy Spirit, Lord God. And your Holy Spirit is there to help us to be your disciples, your witnesses, to bring glory to you. And so, Father, as we hear of the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, help us to eagerly desire them. Help us to be men and women of faith who will hear from the throne room of heaven and do something with it. Help us, Lord God, to step out in boldness and to be who you've called us to be. To your glory, Lord.